Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Welcome and thank you for joining me on another adventure of Shock Your Potential, my little business podcast that changes with whatever I'm thinking about. And right now I'm thinking about the conversations that we have across generations. So as you know, I've had a number of millennials that I have interviewed on this podcast, this series that I've got going on my conversations from Y to X so that I can, as an X, become a little better at the dialogue. But my guest now is really not a millennial, but has a very interesting perspective on this dialogue with millennials. And I think it's going to not only be something that plays well with what we've been talking about, but be a really good conversation starter. So first of all, let me welcome from the great northern uh, western part of Minnesota, where apparently there's 112 feet of snow, Nicole Turchin, thank you so much for joining me on this snowy day. Thanks, Michael. I'm so excited to be here. And um, 112 feet of snow is not a total exaggeration. There is a lot of snow and there's a lot of cold right now, but we are embracing it and trying to love it as best we can. I love northern Minnesota. I spend a lot of time up there around the Brainerd area with uh, my family has a my husband's family has Lake Place up there. And I love all of Minnesota except for the state bird because those darn mosquitoes love me. And they think I'm delicious. So I kind of enjoy winter in Minnesota. <laughs> yes, we, that's what we say a lot of times is uh, when you're looking for something to be thankful for in the winter, be thankful that there are not mosquitoes. Amen. Well, Nicole, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you do. And it, I think it'll really help set the stage for why we're having kind of a unique discussion point on this topic of millennials. So t- tell us about what you do. Absolutely. So I am the co-creator of a company called Sunshine and 79. Mm -hmm. So I have a phenomenal friend and business partner. His name is Curtis Karn. And together we develop employee experience fun shops. And what these fun shops do is they tackle some of the buzzwords that we're hearing in the business community, like influence and purpose and leadership blame, all of these words that we hear. But we as a company are committed to tackling these words in a really fun way. Mm -hmm. 
So our fun shops that we do are not traditionally ran workshops. Um, Curtis and I believe in being very authentically ourselves. And so we infuse a lot of humor, a lot of pop culture, a lot of music, a lot of entertainment to help people that we talk to approach things and navigate these real big topics in an easier to digest and more approachable way. I love that you call them fun shops instead of workshops. <laughs> what a great, great distinction. Yeah, we do call them fun shops. I think uh, if anyone who's ever been to one of our fun shops, I think it's really apparent that Curtis and I love what we do. And in order to love what we do, we have to be having a high level of fun. And we need to make sure that the people in the room are enjoying and having fun as well. So we intentionally did that by design. We don't feel like what we do is feels like work and we don't want people to feel like it's work either. That's great. And we know that that's one way that people learn better is when there's something that, that is enjoyable, that's something out of the norm, you know, especially when you think about, you know, you and I were talking right before we went live that next week I'm, I'm leading a three hour workshop on leadership development. And as you were talking, I was thinking, I need to rethink how I do that because as people go in, especially when they find out they're going to have two hours of role play, <laughs> I can see them wanting to like sneak out the back door and yeah. no, they won't be able to, we're going to lock them in there. But there is kind of that expectation sometimes in those environments that you're going to do things that aren't enjoyable, but looking at it from the perspective of a fun shop, you're going to go in going, well, if nothing else, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun, absolutely. When we think when we think about learning and development, we think just about how we digest information in general. So when you think about the happiest, most fun memories that you have, you remember them because there's likely laughter and smiling and fun associated with them. And we treat learning and development in the same way. We believe you're more likely to remember something if there's humor, fun, laughter, and smiling associated with it. Very true. I love mm -hmm. that. Well, so tell us a little bit about what you like to do in your non-fun work, <laughs> in your leisure time. Absolutely. So I am a big supporter of self-care. Uh, and so I am very intentional about doing things that I love. So one of the greatest things that I love is being outside with my dogs even in this tremendously cold weather or even in a tremendously hot Minnesota summer, you will usually find me outside in some capacity. I get a tremendous amount of joy in watching the world through the eyes of my dogs, which I know sounds probably a little crazy, but I, I receive a tremendous amount of happiness in watching just their unbridled excitement for everything in life. So I spend a lot of time with them outside. I also am an avid reader. Mm -hmm. So I usually have three or four books going at once. I'm trying to change that habit uh, because sometimes the learnings get a little muddied and I have a hard time remembering where I read what. <laughs> um, so I'm working on that. So I'm down to two books right now. Uh, so it was one of the things I wanted to work on in 2020. And aside from those two things, I love spending time with my husband. I I fully own the fact that I am a huge fan of Bravo television. Ah. So any of the Real Housewives, I, I own it. It is, it is something that I love. 
is mindless activity that I, that I definitely enjoy. So that's also something that you will oftentimes find me doing. I don't even lie about it anymore. I used to be yeah. embarrassed, but now I just own it. Yeah, don't even get me started talking about the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm on board for that one too, let me tell you. <laughs> I, have, I have a friend who dislikes the Hallmark Channel so much that he follows threads of people who don't like the Hallmark Channel. And I'm like, dude, this totally means you're following the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> if that's where he gets random... his pleasure. Yeah, if that's I where know, he gets, he gets his random things. And he'll send it on to me, Michael, you need to look at this. Michael, are you paying attention to that? I'm like, what are you doing? You cannot tell me that you don't like the Hallmark Channel when you're sending me links of yep. things. <laughs> I know. I love it. We all have the thing we wish we didn't have, but we have it. And exactly. uh, as I've gotten older, I just, I own it and uh, I love it. <laughs> now, the next question that I'm going to ask you is something I would never ask, except for the fact that we're having these dialogues. And I know that we had interaction before this, but is the 79 in the name of your company because that might be the birth year of one or both of you? Uh, it is the birth year of both of us. Okay. Um, although I will say we didn't totally think about that um, when we were when we were branding our company. We actually looked, um, what we did is we wrote down a list of all the things that we love in life. And we each had our independent lists. And one of the things on our list was sunshine. And we knew we couldn't name our company just sunshine. We wanted something else. So we thought to ourselves, what makes a really perfect day? Like, what's a great day? Oh. And so what we, what we thought was, well, sunshine in like a 79 degree day. It's not 80, it's not super hot, but it's not low 70s, which can be kind of cool. And then it clicked with us that, yes, we both were born in 1979. So it all just came together well. <laughs> that is so funny. I yeah. just assumed that was why, but that makes perfect sense with 79 and sunshine. And yeah. the reason I asked is because, you know, you don't, you don't fall within the quote unquote parameters of millennials, but you're very close. I'm so so you close. really, you really fall on that line between the X and Z or X and Y, I'm sorry, X and Y. And, and so there's a little bit of, you know, that understanding. So this is why I think the next question will be really interesting. And you already gave a little bit of it away saying you watch Bravo, but how do you primarily consume information? So news, current events, entertainment and continual development? What are the ways that you consume information? I am definitely most up to date on my information through social media channels. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I fully know that not everything we read on social media is true, but I do find myself looking through various social media channels. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, and I find myself reading information on those and then going somewhere else for the for the full story mm -hmm. and when I'm looking at the full story I find myself going down a rabbit hole of the side options that give me more stories um, and so that is primarily how I digest information I also because I am a reader I am I do not exclude magazines from that so uh, <laughs> there are definitely magazines that I subscribe to that I like to get information from and also, I'm a news watcher, so I, I still watch the news, 
Uh, I'm finding that I'm watching it less uh, only mm -hmm. because I am finding it difficult to be an optimist sometimes when I watch the news. And so those are the primary channels in which I'm getting my information from, as well as just conversations with people. I think I learned so much just through the art of conversing. And that's been a really valuable way to intake information in my life. So this is fun and it's a really distinctive point with everyone um, that I've interviewed thus far that are millennials, not a single one of them owns a television. Oh, interesting. And I'm at about 20 so people that I've interviewed. And it's, it's fascinating to me because I'm like you, but I'm, I'm truly a Gen Xer. I was born in 69. Mm -hmm. And, and so that the TV and the news, those things are a part of my, my world still. And I have difficulty um, looking online for news stories, unless I catch it as something like it's there and I want to click on it. So it's, it, it's interesting, this distinction and where you are kind of uh, walking between these two worlds. Um, it's, it kind of shows where you, you are, you're still watching some traditional and using some traditional mediums, but you're also living in the social media aspect for um, consuming information. So it's an interesting balance. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. And yet it's, it's something that I had not even really thought about. And now the way it's coming, you know, it's proving true with the people that I've spoken with. It's, it really does change what we do or what we need to do to continue to run businesses in, in you know, moving forward. Absolutely. And I think uh, what's interesting is that I find uh, as someone who peruses social media for my news, uh, when my husband comes home from work, for example, I, I'm talking to him about the things I've seen and, and I already know about it before he does because he's going to watch the news at night and, it's, and he's going to see it on there. But I, who am constantly watching it, are finding out things at a faster rate that he, than he is. And so I just think about how fast things are happening now. And it's mm -hmm. because just all of this real-time knowledge that we're getting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I remember my husband and I were talking about some, this was several years ago. And I said, gosh, it just seems like there's all so many more catastrophes in the world. Mm -hmm. And my husband reminded me, he's, he's like, remember how much faster we hear. So yeah. the moment something's happening, we know about that. Whereas 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, and, and still it was very fast 10 years ago, but think 15 or 20 years ago, it took a long time for information to get relayed up through sources. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as overwhelming as all of a sudden seeing live, you know, uh, 72 car pileups, you know, live, yeah. here's a, you know, a, a shooter in action. Um, you know, those things that are overwhelming to us because they're boom, right up inside your face and they're mm -hmm. right then. And it's, I think that, that it does feel like it's faster, but I think it's just because, to your point, it's just so easy to get information all the time, anytime. Absolutely. Yep. Very immediate. And it's, uh, it's what we've come to expect now too. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I mean, if it takes too long to load a story when I've clicked on it, I'm like, come on, <laughs> I want to know what Harry and Megan are up to. <laughs> yep. Then it's next story. <laughs> exactly. So I know that you are an advocate for millennial mentorships. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about that. Tell me what that really is, why you're an advocate for it, and why you think we should know about it. Mm -hmm. 
I am absolutely an advocate for millennial mentorship. Um, I think when we think about the word mentor, I think our brains automatically assume that the individual has to be older than we are. And I was in that camp for a very long time, unintentionally. I, I didn't realize that that's how I thought, but when I sought out mentors in my life, I always thought about the people who had more life experience with me defined by age. Mm -hmm. And one day I was online, do not have a millennial mentor. You are missing out on a significant knowledge gap. Hmm. And I thought that was so interesting. And it, and it really is, made it shouldn't, shouldn't count when I talk about having my own son who's a millennial as my mentor. <laughs> you can be your mentor. Absolutely. <laughs> Go on. I'll have a story about that later. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really did some self-reflection on who are the people in my life who are millennials who are actually mentoring me. I just don't view it in that way because they're younger than I am. And so once I did this, I realized that I had several individuals who I count on for advice and guidance who are between uh, 21 and 37 years of age. And by having that awareness, I actually was able to personally shift the relationships I have with them. So when I meet with them, I really am looking to them for guidance and for learning and for perspective that I wouldn't get if I didn't have them in my life. Mm -hmm. And there's one gentleman in particular, he used to work for me on a team that I led. He's 25 years old. And what I found is when I was leading him, I actually had moments where I thought he's leading me in a way that is so much more advanced than I am leading him. Ah. And so it was interesting for me to sit back and say, I need to think differently about this relationship because I also want to provide value to him. And if I feel like I'm, I'm constantly the one getting value, I need to do a better job in how I'm communicating and how I'm leading him. And he really was the individual that made me think, man, the things I'm learning from him are so valuable and I never would have gotten this learning without him. He is a mentor to me. Wow. And so, yeah, he's really the individual that got me thinking differently about it. I understand what you mean because I, as you're really raising some interesting thoughts in my head. One being the reason that I wanted to do these interviews is that I frankly, I've gotten tired of sitting in meetings where people are complaining about millennials and there's mm -hmm. millennials around the table in the same room going, oh, you know, here they're complaining about us again. And I wanted to just learn more. Yeah. But what I have found through these conversations so far is, I mean, I, one gal, I was like, oh my God, we need to go into business together. <laughs> like just their energy is so high and the creativity yeah. is so high and the the willingness to take risks at a high level is high. And there's so many wonderful things um, mm -hmm. that when you actually stop and you say, hey, let's talk about these things, that, you know, there's such a wealth there. But you're right, until, until you even said it, I didn't even think about the fact that these interviews alone are providing me with individual mentors, if even just for 30 minutes at a time. Absolutely. And I think we have to be very conscious of when we're sitting down with people who fall into the millennial category. And I wish we never even had to use 
the word millennial, but in the interest of sort of an understanding, we will. Mm -hmm. But um, when we sit down with these individuals, uh, it's, it's just phenomenal to me if you really are willing to take in their perspective and the knowledge that they have to share, just the amount of learning that you can walk away with is so tremendous. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're teaching us new technologies. They're teaching us new terminologies. They're teaching us better ways to live our lives, but we have to be willing to sit down and listen and accept it from a generation that, like you said, people are talking about in a negative way when really they are leading lives that we should be emulating. Mm-hmm. Especially about understanding where your passions are and how yes. to follow them. You know, I totally agree too. I, I cringe sometimes when I talk and I keep over, you know, using the word millennial as a part of this conversation, but it, it dawns on me you know, the baby boomers, and I use my quotation marks, but the baby boomers didn't get a bad rap until the Gen Xers came around. And then the Gen Xers gave the boomers a bad rap because, oh, you, oh, you won't change. You know, we don't want to work mm-hmm. in that, you know, forever in one company. And now I find that the majority of people complaining about the millennials are the Gen Xers again. So here you've got maybe maybe my generation, our generation, is the complaining generation. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but it's possible. And now you know when when what do you teach the millennials? But then let's you know say okay, boomer, but they probably think I'm a boomer. You know? And it's it's about this sense. I'm like I'm wondering where where in this we're all going wrong in terms of communication with each other without labels. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the truth is every generation has its deficiencies. It's, it's impossible to avoid that. Just like every human has in their growth areas. Absolutely. So, So for us to categorize an entire group of individuals because of age and to say they're all entitled or they all only care about work life balance in an unhealthy way. That's absolutely insane absolutely. Uh, because, because we're not treating them as individuals. We're treating them as a bulk group and we just can't do that. Yeah, that's so true. And yet we do. So you have, you know, you, you alluded to it a little bit, but what are some of the most important lessons you've learned from the millennial mentors in your life specifically? I think the greatest learning that I've had, and I, I rarely use this term, uh, but it's work-life balance. I don't even use that term very much because I work a lot, but I love to work. Mm -hmm. So I tend to use sort of like the love hate analogy instead. So if I'm working 20 hours a day, but I'm loving it, then that's okay for me. But I think what my millennial mentors have taught me is that we have to make time for the things that we love. And once we do that, we have a greater sense of satisfaction in life. The ways in which we contribute to the world are more positive. The way we interact with our friends and family is more positive. And they've just really taught me what prioritization of the really important things in my life look like. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the greatest learning that I get um, from my millennial mentors. But also, I, I alluded to this earlier, sort of all the things I don't know because of I'm a product of my age. Right. So 
they're totally familiar with the cool technologies and what are the things people are using and yeah. uh, what are the words that people are using and, and what are the things I can be saying that will help me help resonate with others who are not my age. So they're just phenomenal. And, and really, I don't know if this stems from age or as we get older, we lose it, but their recall and their memory absolutely astounds me. So the millennial mentors I have, so I'm, I'm a person that will say, I read this somewhere, but I can't remember where. I have mentors in my life who are younger than me. They remember what they read. They remember who wrote it. They remember where I can find it. And then after our meeting, they send me a link to where I can get it. Wow. Right? They, they move at a rate that is faster, but it's a positive thing for them. And it's a positive thing for me. So those are just a few areas in which millennial mentors have helped me. I also think they have a greater awareness and which is, I think is contrary to what a lot of individuals think. I think there is a perception that millennials don't have self-awareness, that yeah. they're entitled. I find it to be exactly the opposite. I feel like they are self-aware what I find is that they don't make apologies for being who they are. Oh, that's a really good point. Absolutely. And they're balancing self-awareness with being authentic. Mm -hmm. And I have such a huge learning when it comes to that. And it has profoundly changed my life to be able to have self-awareness, but to say, this is who I am. Yeah. And they've taught me so much in that arena. That is a really, that's a really great takeaway. And especially I think about how I was raised in a Irish Catholic family where I was raised to feel guilty about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm constantly apologizing for everything. And you're right. You kind of expect people to say, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, whatever did that instead of just saying, that's what I do. That's how I operate. And if we are truly living authentic lives, not that you shouldn't apologize for certain things, but not for <laughs> everything and not for the things that are, are not really causing a problem. It's just not the norm. Absolutely. And I, I think probably one of the greatest examples is when Curtis and I were founding Sunshine in 79, and we were going through some branding and we weren't really sure what we wanted the company name to be. We as non, we're in this like this weird generation Z gap that they've identified. Um, but when, uh, when Curtis and I were talking about naming our company, we went initially went down this very stale path. Like maybe we should be Karn and Turchin Associates or, or whatever uh -huh. that might be. Uh -huh. And we're sitting there and we're thinking like, this is not who we are. Like this, mm -hmm. this we're gonna we're falling asleep even saying that. Um, and so it was an awesome opportunity for go to for me to go to my mentors, my millennial mentors, and say, we're just feeling like this doesn't resonate with us. But is what we're thinking way too out there? Mm -hmm. And the constant reassurance I got was no, like we want we want different. We don't want the same old thing that we've always been doing. So name your, your, your company Sunshine in 79 and own it because that's who you are. And, and so it. another prime example of 
someone my age who thought I had to do something traditionally. But once I was able to blend my self-awareness with my authenticity, I, we were really able to create something that reflects and represents who we are. I just, I love that on so many levels. And, and given what you and I both do, I, I totally get it. And I know we were talking about my hair when we began, that I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. So I started my first training company when I was in my mid twenties mm -hmm. and uh, with a partner of mine, and we called it cutting edge communications and training mm -hmm. because we thought, well, that tells you everything you know, need to know. <laughs> And because we say cutting edge in there, that means we're cutting edge, right? Yep, of course. <laughs> if it's in the name, then it's true. <laughs> so the second company that I had where I did um, more consulting, I called it Energy Pie. And it has to do with a whole story that, you know, that I love to tell. And it's about, you know, maintaining your positive energy. But my yeah. logo was a little too, like, still business, right? You know, I was trying to have a fun name that people go, what? But I'm yep. like, my logo looks very serious. So, you know, come in the third time around and I'm like, there's oh, my there doctor go. potential. There we go. Love it. People are like, wow, did you do that on purpose? I said, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But <laughs> because I finally decided, who cares? If you yep. think I'm too wacky, don't hire me. <laughs> yep. I mean, I think that's, that's our approach. And, and Curtis and I are really honest about it. Like, we're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. We have tattoos, we have weird hair, we swear. Um, that's not going to be for everyone, but it is definitely us. And that's who we are. And the, the clients that want to work with us and the clients we want to work with, we accept each other for who and what we are. Absolutely. Did I hear one of the doggies come in to visit? Of course. Of <laughs> course. This is my life. <laughs> I'm being authentically who I am right now with a 80-pound dog sitting right next to me. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're almost done anyway. I'm surprised that we haven't had a visit before then. And that is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so my last question for you, and you actually posed this one for me to ask you, which I think is great, is, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they say, wow, that sounds really intriguing, but I don't know how I would find a millennial mentor in my life. What would you, what advice would you give them? I would say that they are not really looking. Um, we all, I know, we all have millennials in our lives. Mm -hmm. It is up to us to look at them as mentors. So I don't buy the, I don't have any millennials in my life. We have colleagues we if you can't if you can't easily identify one go on social media whether you know someone's age or not it is pretty easy to to find the people who are younger than you on social media mm -hmm. reach out and say hey i'm just trying to expand my network would you could we meet for a cup of coffee i'd like to learn more about you there are tons of millennial entrepreneurs who i know would love to speak about their business absolutely so it is incredibly easy to connect with millennials in today's world. We have a personal responsibility of connecting with millennials who we can see as mentors. I love and that. It is not hard. I have well, a ton of them. I'm happy to share their share their uh, information <laughs> if people want it. 
<laughs> you know, and I made a joke about this about my son who's 28, but I am actually literally trying to um, interact with him more now, less like a mother, although I still need to, you know, he, I mean, yeah. we're doing a lot to support him. He's, he's got two kids. He's, you know, navigating all these changes in life. So still have to have the mom role, but I'm trying to stop more and say, tell me about what you're doing or tell me about, you know, this challenge and listening. I mean, it's really, I teach listening for a living, right? But you'd think I'd be good at it with my own son. There's some different things that come into play when there are people that are so close to you. But the more I stop and listen, the, the more I do understand him which, you know, helps me to understand the generation too. And, and it's, it's really important for me not to put um, uh, my own uh, what, expectations, my own assumptions on him just because I'm his mother, because other people don't put those assumptions on him. So why am I? But it's not always easy. And yet, you know, they're, they're all around us. You know, we just have to look and then actually have those conversations to start the process. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I was at the gas station the other day and I was talking to the clerk and she said, oh, you know, this is sort of what I do during the day. And then I have a job that I do in the evenings, a couple nights a week for some extra money. And she had two kids. And um, for some people that might not have been a moment of learning, but without taking the word mentorship too seriously, she was mentoring me without me even initially realizing it. But when I looked back, I thought, okay, I can even get caught up in this perception of like millennial laziness, right? Like I can, mm -hmm. I can get caught up in it like everybody else. But having that interaction with her where she's working during the day, she's working at night, she has two kids. I mean, yeah. she is hustling. I mean, she is moving and she is shaking and she is contributing to this world in a great way. She's contributing to her family. Yep. So the next day when I was thinking about it, I thought, man, I can kind of get caught up in my own, my own world of complaining. Like, oh, I've got so much stuff to do. I don't know what, I don't have all this time. <laughs> and then I thought about her yeah. and I thought, man, I have no real reason to be complaining. And so I just looked at that one moment I had with her. And I used that learning and I brought it into my own life. And, it, and I was able to get out of my place of complaining and woe is me and into my place of thankfulness. Yeah. It helped me, right? So I even challenge people to think differently about the word mentorship. You know, it doesn't have to be a monthly coffee meeting or a, a happy hour every two weeks. It can actually be very small moments in our lives that we just think about in a bigger way. Yeah, that we're more mindful of, which, mm -hmm. you know, I, mindfulness is a huge part of what I have learned myself to make me an all around better person. But it's that mindfulness of that moment, or even the day after to reflect on it and say, gosh, I'm feeling overwhelmed today, but that woman's going to her second job. Mm -hmm. hmm. Maybe yeah. I'm not as exhausted as I think I am. What does this teach me about thankfulness or gratitude or, you know, whatever. That's I, yeah. what a great, what a great way to look at it. Absolutely. We have so much to learn. And um, if we are just Xing out a generation because of how they've been stereotyped, man, we, we are missing out tremendously. 
Ah, Nicole, you have had such valuable information. I'm so glad. Now we'll have all your contact information on the show notes, but just a shout out for anybody who's looking right now, if they wanted to learn more about you and your company, where would they find you? Yeah, so we have a website, sunshineand79.com. So it's A-N-D and then the number seven, the number nine. You can find us there or you can email me at hello at sunshineand79.com. I'm always up for riveting conversations like this and having fun with people and tossing back and forth ideas. I always love that. So we love to hear from people. We're also on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. All the traditional avenues you can find us on. (laughs) I also love the fact that your email is hello at. That's, I mean, another way to just differentiate and have a reminder of the fun factor in a professional environment. Yeah, well, uh, I had read a long time ago that the... We, we spend a lot of time, of course, I can't remember where, I, I alluded to this earlier, right? Um, Wait, we need a millennial to remind us. <laughs> exactly, where did I read this at? Um, but we, we feel like we're, not, we're living in a world where we're not connected. Um, mm-hmm. And the simplest way to build connection with people is to say hello. Ah. So when we were creating our brand and our company, I said, let's just do hello at sunshineand79.com. It's just, it's unintimidating. I feel like it creates just an instant connection. So let's do that. <laughs> and it's so welcoming. I love it. You are just filled with great bits of information. I'm taking notes. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for being a part of my conversation. Any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? No, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I love talking about this stuff. And uh, hopefully people can just slightly shift their uh, thought process on this a little bit and just think differently because that's what we encourage people to do. Just think outside the box and step outside your comfort zone. I love it. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Shock Your Potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.